In the holy name of Jesus, amen. As much as I love the parable of the dishonest manager, I'm not going to talk about that today. Um, it, it's, it's wonderful. I'm normally somehow, I've been on vacation uh, many Sundays, and so I don't like have to deal with it, but uh, I'm just going to ignore it right now. It's the weirdest parable that Jesus tells, and uh, every year I am either out of town or I have to come up with something else to say about it. So we're just going to we're going to forget about it for a little bit right now. Other than the last part, it's pretty clear. You can't serve God and money. I guess that's the point of the whole thing there. It's nice when Jesus just explains them. But uh, what a strange story. And uh, the cover art is absolutely fantastic. We don't have enough turbans in our world uh, today. But uh, I want to look at the uh, epistle reading from 1 Corinthians I'm going to back up a couple verses there. So 1 Corinthians 10. For I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. So, Wednesday Bible study. I was talking with someone else this morning about this already, but Wednesday Bible study here has never really been that successful since I've been here. I found myself alone uh, plenty of times, which maybe this is a scheduling problem. I don't, I don't know why you don't come to Bible study on Wednesday nights. But Sunday morning also isn't really that successful either, numbers-wise, of course. Some of you know that the best metric for measuring the health of a congregation is the percentage of members in Bible study. And we are sick and dying. It's bad. That means that you are sick and dying. This is your congregation. Unless you're from out of town, in which case you get a pass. Uh, but, but you still have to go to Bible study at your church in Minnesota. I know they have them there. Uh, they have them too. Now, I'm not here to nag you. And I'm also not like complaining or whining about people not coming to stuff, Okay. I'm warning you that this is not good for you. Like, this is the reason why you are here. And I'm not talking to, like, abstract people here. I'm talking to you. You who have come to this place. Why did you come here? Well, the word of God, of course. That's why you're here. And it is commanded by the Lord... That you would not despise the preaching in the word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. 
gladly. Wow. Why? Well, because it's good for you. I don't offer several different studies here throughout the week because I just want to keep you busy here. In fact, if you spend too much time here not in the Word of God, uh, there's something that happens, and I've seen this happen again and again, not just here, but in like every church. There's this thing that happens that people come to all these meetings, but then they skip studies, and then they also skip coming to church. And then they come to resent this place, and then eventually they just kind of like fall away and leave, and we don't know where they are. And then they don't return my phone calls. So yeah, I teach these things because they give life. Because the word of God is actually a rock upon which you can build your whole entire house and life. Really, like, do you want to live? Or do you just want to keep dying? I'd prefer to live. I think you all would. That's why you're here. Now, it like, sounds like I'm just the dentist nagging you about flossing, right? But even when the dentist does that, like, they're not angry at you. They're not complaining that you don't floss. Like, they've got nothing personally invested in this. They're just asking you if you would like to keep your teeth. Hey, I mean, it's going to be more work for them if you don't floss. But there they are. It's actually good for you. The dentist is not angry at you. Neither am I. I'm asking you if you want to live a dying life of despair, chasing idols that won't help you and that will, in fact, lead to your downfall, or if you would like to bask in the life-giving word of God. So be careful. We are given a warning today by the Apostle Paul. I love the book of 1 Corinthians because it's often very raw. It's like very real. He's very kind of um, explicit with them in 1 Corinthians. And the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church several times because they are in danger and he loves them. Now, I have this you probably all know this, but I have this like very naive view of the early church that like back then was when everything was great and good, right? Because they were closer to the time of Jesus and they had the apostles actually living. And so things must have been just great back then. And they must not have had all this division nonsense. And there's not like a Presbyterian church across the street that we can't be friends with and things like this, right? Things were perfect back then? Well, no. In the first decades of the church, after the ascension of Christ and after the giving of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, we find that the church is not only not perfect, it's not like they just have like some flaws. They are in grave danger. And Paul does not hold back. And why would he? Why would he compromise the truth and allow those people to just perish and go on in their sin? One of the reasons that you're a part of this church, one of the reasons why you showed up today, is to have someone there to tell you when you are doing something wrong. That is why you have a pastor. I'm not your friend. 
We can be friendly, though. I'm your pastor. Your bishop, your overseer, the one who knows what you are up to and who will tell you if you are doing something dangerous. Would it be right for me to just allow you to drink poison or something like that? Well, no. I should go and knock it out of your hands and give you a cup of cold water instead. To do anything else would be irresponsible and neglectful and just downright lazy. And I tell you what, the world has enough lazy pastors around And I think that we can see the fruits of that today in closed and dying churches left and right. What happened? It's like everyone's surprised that churches are shrinking and dying across our country. It's not surprising at all. They got lazy, neglected the word of God. I guarantee you that all of these little dead and dying churches that dot pollute the landscape of American Christianity. Like those churches didn't have people there who were enjoying the fellowship of the word of God with one another. No way. I guarantee you that they had pastors uh, showing up for Bible study and, and no one else is there. And I can also guarantee you that they were having lots of meetings uh, worrying about what to do in their church. Sounds familiar. Don't do that stuff. Does St. Paul hem and haw over the adultery, over the spiritual abuse going on in the church in Corinth? No, not at all. He's not scared of them. He writes it down and he sends them a letter, and we still have it today. It's in the Bible. It's crazy. Do you know why the book of 1 Corinthians is in the Bible today? Well, it's because the people heard those words, and rather than tearing Paul's letter up and throwing it into the dumpster, they saved it. They kept it. They held on to it, and they listened to it again and again. When a genuine warning comes your way, you must give thanks for it and hold on to it. Now, that's not always the reaction that I get. Who knows? Paul probably wrote a lot of letters that did get torn up and thrown into the dumpster. In fact, we are missing one of the letters to the church in Corinth. Maybe they did that with it because they didn't like it. Most often, though, I'm just ignored, or even worse, just lied to. It comes with the territory. People tell me what they think I want to hear. Let me tell you a story about a bug and a sparrow and a hawk. I was jogging the other week, because I jog now, and uh, I came across a sparrow that had just been killed, um, I like to look at these things. It's interesting when you get to look at a piece of nature up close, right? This is why we like things like zoos. But this beautiful little bird had been uh, flying around looking for something to eat, and it had caught some sort of flying bug in its beak. Then it had just caught this bug, and it probably felt like it was going to have a really good meal and be okay for a little while. 
And then at that very moment, a hawk swooped in and landed a piercing blow and left the bird dead on the pavement with its next meal in its mouth. Now, I cannot tell you how many times I have seen this very thing happen when someone thinks that everything is just going right for them. Everything is just wonderful. And then out of nowhere, disaster strikes. Now, you can't avoid all these things. You might not see the hawk that's in the trees waiting for you. That's fine. But it does not have to be the end. Because temptation lurks everywhere, and disaster will come your way. It just will. But they don't have to send you to hell. You do not need to lose hope, because a crucified Lord Jesus Christ is the one whom you follow, the one who has passed from death to life and has brought you along with him. But that's the point of the Exodus. You have to be careful. The people of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, when they were freed from slavery by the mighty hand of the Lord, they numbered somewhere around 1.5 million, if we're to believe the book of Numbers. And I think you should believe the Bible. About 1.5 million people or so were freed from slavery and crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground. And do you remember how many of those people were allowed to cross the Jordan River and enter the Promised Land? I mean, we read those stories and it seems so easy. They walked through the Red Sea. They dwelt underneath the cloud of the Lord, which not only like guided the way, but also protected them uh, from the burning sun in the middle of the desert where they were for all of those years. It seems like they would have had it so easy. Their enemies had been drowned behind them. And you would think that the people who saw the pillar of fire by day and the pillar of, of cloud, uh, the other way around, uh, but you'd think that they would have had it so easy and that these people who drank from rocks and these people who ate miraculous manna, wouldn't they have had it so easy if only we could see signs like that today, right? So out of 1.5 million Israelites who left uh, Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, how many of them were able to enter into the promised land then? Two. Yeah, it's not... Not a great success, is it? What happened to the rest of them? What happened to all the other millions? Well, they complained about the food. They built an idol, the golden calf. They forgot about the Lord. Even as they lived with him, they were destroyed. That all is an example for you. Because you are no different than they were. Even though you don't wear cool turbans. But you have been baptized in your own Red Sea. 
You have been fed with the manna of the Lord in the Lord's Supper, and you do live in the presence of the Lord. And yet, you will not all see the promised land. Apathy, neglect of the word of God will consume you. And do you grumble? Do you complain about this place to which the Lord has called you to hear and to receive his word and sacraments? Well, the day is coming when you will no longer have the option of going to a good church with a well-educated pastor. Like People outside the church, they cannot even believe the level of education that we require for our pastors. And why do we do that? Just to like... Uh, give them a, a, a worthless degree that no one cares about outside of the church? Well, no. Like, we make good pastors who, who know Greek and Hebrew just to read the Bible, not for their own good, but to teach it to their people. Ask yourself if you are loathing this worthless manna as they did in the wilderness. Be very careful. The path that leads to life is very narrow, and very few find it. Many are called, but few are chosen. Which one do you want to be? And yet, the Lord provides the way of escape. No temptation has come to you that is not common. You are not special. Your excuses, they're not valid. Your sins, your sins are not unique. Even the really weird sins. Someone's done that too. And that is good news. Because the Lord has dealt with people like you before. And he knows what you're up to. Flee idolatry. Leave your idols behind. Turn to Jesus. Stop dying and start living. Jesus has come to you that you would have life. So start now. So the good news then is that uh, you've already come to the right place. And you're exactly where you need to be to do this. Right here and right now. I'll see you at the altar. And we'll go from there. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen.